We have a breaking news story here tonight. This story has not been reported anywhere else. It is exclusive to this show. Um, it's quite a big deal, as you will see as we walk through this. It should, in fact, lead to a congressional inquiry. That is the extent to which um, this story rises. So let's get right to it. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. All right, we have exclusive breaking news tonight on The Liz Wheeler Show, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you about ExpressVPN. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and your family's security online, right? But I recently learned that you can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available, at least ostensibly, in other countries. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app, you change your location to the UK or any other country that you choose, refresh your streaming service, say Netflix or Hulu, and that's all there is to it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries that you can go through. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. Now, there are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN, in my opinion, is the best because it's ridiculously fast. I have no patience for buffering or lag or any of that nonsense. And ExpressVPN, you get none of that. You can stream in HD, no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, et cetera, et cetera. So you can watch what you want on the go or on the big stream, wherever big screen, wherever you are. And if you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Liz, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself and your family online at expressvpn.com slash Liz. So I've obtained documents exposing the United States Navy's plan to issue blanket denial of religious exemption requests to the COVID-19 vaccine mandate that was handed down by the Department of Defense. This blanket denial or this plan for blanket denial is in uh, violation of US Navy policy. So let's start here at the beginning. What I'm showing you on the screen right now, these are packages submitted by Navy sailors at a particular command. The name of the command is Iwitzy Quarry Station. This command is about 2,500 people. It's in Pensacola, Florida. And these individuals whose packages I'm showing are requesting religious exemption to the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Now, as you can see, these are Navy sailors who have served for a long time. They have honorably served for decades. One of these individuals has served for 30 years. Another has served for 18 and a half years. 30 years, for those of you unfamiliar with Navy, is far past the requirement for retirement. You need 20 years for retirement. 18 and a half is just right on the cusp of that retirement. And they are requesting accommodation for their religious beliefs um, regarding the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and the way that the Navy is treating them in response to these requests for religious exemption from the mandate is absolutely horrendous. And I want to show you why. So as you can see, each of these requests makes a specific description of why exactly they're requesting religious exemption. They explain it in detail, and they're not all the same. They are different reasons. They prioritize different things. And may maybe it all comes down um, to the same to the same fundamental reason, but they are presented in different ways and therefore should be responded to in different ways by the Navy. Now, let's be very clear. The Navy has not yet returned either acceptance or denial officially from the very top, but we know what's happening behind the scenes at the United States Navy right now. So let's begin here. U.S. Navy policy requires that each religious exemption package, that's a request from an active duty service member, to be evaluated, and this is a quote, on a case-by-case -case basis. A case-by-case -case basis. And U.S. Navy policy requires that commanders 
pursue what is called the least restrictive means in an effort to honor religious convictions. This, of course, goes back to our fundamental right as Americans, our First Amendment right to exercise um, our religion as we see fit, to free exercise of religion. And if there is a compelling interest that the government has to restrict someone's practice of religion in an effort, say, in the military to achieve the mission, they are required still to honor the religious conviction to the best of their ability so they, they can only restrict the ability to practice that religion in the least restrictive means possible. This is, this is very, this is critical and this is fundamental. This underpins this entire problem. The Navy policy requires not only a case-by-case -case basis analysis of each package, but requires that commanders pursue the least restrictive means possible in an effort to honor these religious convictions. Now, Navy policy, and this, this is, you know, the military. Anybody who has a family member in the military knows how um, in the weeds all of their policies are. But Navy policy dictates that a religious exemption request, as it relates to an immunization, be screened first by a chaplain, and then viewed by the, reviewed by the commanding officer of the command, and then from that commanding officer, be forwarded to the first 06, that would be a captain in the Navy, in the chain of command for endorsement, and then directly from that 06, that captain sent to the chief of naval personnel. Right now, that's Vice Admiral John Noel. But that's not what's happening at this command at Iwitsi Quarry Station in Pensacola, Florida. This policy is not being followed. In this particular case, Captain Mark, Mark Ratkis, he is the CO of the Center for Information Warfare Training and Commander Schley, and we'll get to who that is in just a moment, and Commander Schley's boss, Mark Ratkis, Captain Mark Ratkis, provided a standard denial memo to Commander Schley, instructing her to use it for all requests at her command. Now, Commander Schley is the CO of Iwitsi Quarry Station. And her boss, the 06, instructed her to issue these blanket denials based on this template. Now, right in and of itself, like you could see this on the screen right here, this template even has Rackus's letterhead and signature on it. So in the denial endorsement that all of Schley's sailors received, the letterhead and signature had been changed to make it appear that Schley was making the recommendation and that Rackus was merely concurring because that's what's supposed to happen. But in fact, we know behind the scenes that Schley did not actually concur, and Schley herself admits this. I'm going to show you why in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about headspace. So you've probably tried meditation before, and perhaps it didn't work. It's something that maybe a lot of people have tried, um, given how heavy the news is right now, given how difficult it is to make ends meet. Maybe you tried meditation, you felt like you weren't doing it wrong. Well, if mental health is part of your self-care plan this year, then you owe it to yourself to try Headspace. Headspace is super cool. It's your daily dose of relaxation in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach reduces stress, improves sleep, boosts focus, and increases your overall sense of well-being. Who doesn't want that? After all, you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash Liz. That's headspace.com slash Liz for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditation. That's a great deal only for viewers of this show. Headspace.com slash Liz for a free one-month trial. You're, you'll be glad you do it. You did it. You deserve it. Okay, so Commander Schley 
knows that she is violating policy by issuing these blanket or by preparing to issue these blanket denials because in fact, she complained about this to her colleagues. I've obtained copies of two sworn affidavits from sailors who heard Commander Schley claim that she didn't want to issue blanket denial of all religious exemption requests, but in fact, she was forced to by Captain Ratkiss. Now, this is, this is a pretty big deal. Commander Schley is knowingly violating policy and Captain Ratkiss is directing her to do so. Now, you might be thinking the same thing that I thought. Well, Commander Schley shouldn't be doing this. She should act with integrity and she should refuse to do something that violates Navy policy, but that's not what's happening here. Perhaps then, her unwillingness to follow policy and her willingness not to, or her willingness not to question when something is wrong, perhaps these should be fireable offenses for both of them. It certainly uh, begs the question. It also, it also begs the question, how high does this go and how widespread is this in the United States Navy? Because this is, this is one command that we're talking about, Iwitzy Quarry Station in Pensacola, Florida. But how, how high up does this go? Is this just isolated to Captain Ratkiss and Commander Schley? Or does this go higher? Well, this is where it gets a little murky, but we do have some clues here. So the blanket denial template that does not evaluate these religious exemption requests on a case-by-case -case basis. The blanket denial template that came from Ratkiss to Schley is actually a Word document. So if you look at this Word document and you look at the document properties, the document properties show that the original author of the document isn't Schley or Ratkiss. It's actually a JAG officer, and that means an attorney in the Navy, named Lieutenant J.G. Carlos Pagan. Now, who is this JAG officer? Who is Lieutenant J.G. Carlos Pagan? Well, he appears, based on his profile, to work for the two-star Rear Admiral Peter Garvin. Peter Garvin is the commander of the Naval Training and Education Command. It's known as NETSI in the Navy. Now, why does this two-star, this Rear Admiral, have any role here? Well, he shouldn't, according to what we discussed before, the deliberate, specific chain of command that is supposed to take place when there's a religious exemption related to immunization. This two-star and his JAG officer shouldn't have any role in these templates, let alone the denial. The chain of command for the religious exemption requests goes directly or should go directly from the 06 to the three-star CNP. So this rear, admiral, this rear admiral Garvin and his JAG officer Pagan, are they involved in these denials? If so, why? And to what extent are they involved? Because again, this appears to be at least possible that this is in violation of Navy policy. Now, just to give an idea of how significant this would be if they were involved, the NETSI website, remember, Garvin is in charge of NETSI, the NETSI website boasts that it's the Navy's largest shore command. It's covering 50,000 sailors worldwide. So he has the power over 50,000 sailors. Now, if Rear Admiral Garvin's staff is inappropriately interfering in these religious accommodation requests, then we have to ask the question, well, how many people might be impacted by this? 50,000 people he's in charge of. How many people might be impacted, not just at this particular command in Pensacola, Florida, but worldwide? If Garvin and his JAG officer are indeed dictating policy, if they are indeed dictating policy to issue blanket denials of religious exemptions that according to Navy policy are supposed to be evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis, then they're violating Navy policy. It's a gross breach of ethics and they should be held accountable for it. There's more. But before we get to that, I wanna to talk to you about the spectator. 
As the longest running magazine in the world, The Spectator believes that journalism must be both witty and insightful. That ideas should be discussed without the constant threat of cancellation. Well, isn't that refreshing? The Spectator also never confuses the serious with the dull. It isn't right-wing or left-wing. It believes in challenging, informing, and entertaining readers. That's why I like it. Sign up today and you'll receive three free months of both the print and the digital magazine, plus a free Spectator hat. Just use offer code Liz at checkout to redeem the special offer just for listeners of this podcast. Go to spectatorworld.com slash special offer and use offer code Liz. I love The Spectator personally because it's dedicated to wit. You know that I love um, I love good wit, strong reasoning, and brilliant writing. And the, the best thing about this truly is that they are completely against cancel culture. You can discuss anything you want and The Spectator is not going to uh, disallow the discussion of it. So even if you disagree with the politics that you're reading, you're guaranteed to be entertained. Sign up today to get three months of The Spectator for free plus a free Spectator hat when you subscribe today at spectatorworld.com slash special offer. Remember to use offer code Liz at checkout in order to redeem your offer. Okay, so now that we understand a little bit of what's happening here, that it's Navy policy that when a religious exemption request relating to immunization um, is submitted, that it must be evaluated on a case-by-case basis. And not only must it be evaluated on a case-by-case basis, there's a very specific chain of command that this request must go up in order to um, either be approved or denied. So that's where we are. But what we're seeing at this command in Pensacola, Florida, what we're seeing at Iwitzy Quarry Station is, is what appears to be a violation of two things. It appears to be a violation of the policy requiring the evaluation of these requests for exemption on a case-by-case basis. And it appears to be a violation of the chain of command um, relating to who exactly is directing that these religious exemptions be denied versus approved. But maybe we shouldn't be surprised about this given what we've seen in the United States military. For example, let's look at the gross hostility shown to service members who are requesting exemption for religious reasons to the COVID-19 vaccine. This, what you're seeing on the screen, is what's called a chop sheet. Essentially, it's a correspondence tracker in the military that's passed up the chain of command that includes notes to be considered by superiors. Um, On this particular chop sheet, you will see a note written by Commander Michael Teifel. Now, Michael Teifel is the XO. That means he's the second in command at uh, CIWT at CWIT. He wrote a revealing note for his boss. Who is his boss? Well, Captain Rackus. He is the 06. Remember, Captain Rackus is the 06. Captain Rackus, um, so Michael Teifel, the XO, wrote a note for his boss, Captain Rackus, regarding the data that a sailor at Iwitzy Quarry Station included in his request showing how and to what extent aborted fetal cell lines were used in the development of the COVID-19 vaccine. This, of course, is the most common religious um, exemption reason or reason for requesting a religious exemption is opposition to abortion and opposition to the aborted fetal cell lines that were used in the development, the testing of these vaccines, okay? So Michael Teifel, Commander Michael Teifel writes to his boss. He commented on this sailor's concern about aborted fetal cell lines used in the vaccine development. The sailor himself, by the way, let me interject here. The sailor himself cited the Charlotte Lozier Institute in his arguments for uh, why he was against or religiously opposed to the vaccine. But let's ask the question, who did Commander Teifel cite? Commander Teifel cited a website called ProLies.org. Obviously a, pre- a play on the word pro-life. ProLies, L-I-E-S.org. ProLies.org is an aggressively pro-abortion website that insults and demeans and stigmatizes pro-lifers. 
a really horrendous website. And Teufel actually quoted ProLies.org word for word as it relates to the Charlotte Lozier Institute, accusing the pro-life group of, quote, pushing alarmist narratives. This is pretty extreme. Teufel then added a few of his own words, saying that the site, the Charlotte Lozier Institute, spreads his, the sailors, absurd research. You can read this in Commander Teufel's own handwriting. Now, ju just for context here, ProLies.org also proclaims that all opponents of abortion are extreme, toxic, and out of touch, and accuses them of, quote, dangerous rhetoric. J just so we understand how, how utterly extreme ProLies.org is and how committed they are to the abortion agenda. Apparently, you know, this commander in the Navy, apparently objecting to abortion, if a sailor objects to abortion on religious grounds, that is now considered toxic, out of touch, extreme, and dangerous, according to the U.S. Navy. This is pretty serious stuff. Now, few are bold enough to put it into writing, as he did, but this, this is what people in positions of power in the United States Navy think about people of faith. These are the resources that senior leaders are using to consider these religious exemption requests. Does this sound like a fair process to you? Does this sound like people who are following the policy to apply the least restrictive means possible if they have to deny a, re a request for religious accommodation? I don't think so. And by the way, this is not just isolated to the station, Iwitzy Quarry Station. I've also uncovered documents from Iwitzy Virginia Beach, another command under guess who? Under Captain Rackus's control, in which the exact same denial recommendation is being used. All that has changed on, uh, this one was the letterhead and the signature. It was, it was gotten from the same template, copied from the same template. Well, I should say almost. Commander James Brennan, he's the CEO of Iwitzy Virginia Beach, he at least added a couple of words here and there to make it look like he had conducted the case-by-case -case analysis required by Navy policy, but somehow he actually made things worse. In one case, a denial recommendation from Brennan's command stated that the request had not mentioned any specific religious conviction, despite both the sailor and the chaplain providing highly specific details supporting the religious exemption request. So my question is, did Commander Brennan even bother to read these requests? It doesn't appear so. In another, the denial recommendation states that fetal cell tissue was not used in the development of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. And here's what I would say, we've covered this at length on my show. While it is true that only the J&J &J vaccine contains the fetal cells themselves, it's irrefutable fact that fetal cell lines were used in the testing of both the Pfizer vaccine, the Pfizer COVID vaccine, and the Moderna COVID vaccine. This is inarguable. This is fact. Pfizer and Moderna admit this themselves. So then it brings us to this point. As, as, as for the risk assessment of granting all the religious exemptions requested at a command that's required by policy, each denial recommendation simply said, not applicable. N slash A. That's right. They just chose not to do it. Why? We should be asking this question. Is it because it hurts their case? Because here's the thing. Lest you think that the COVID vaccine is necessary for the Navy to accomplish their mission, I don't think so. Here's an email to the entire Iwitzy Quarry Station Command sent by the previous CO. This previous CO left in July, left the command in July after holding the job during the entire pandemic. And he states in this email how during the height of the pandemic, remember, without vaccines, they accomplished and achieved their mission. 
You can see it in his own words right here on the screen. So despite the command accomplishing 100% of their mission with zero vaccination, suddenly the claim is that Iwitzi Quarry Station won't be able to accomplish its mission with a 99% vaccination rate? Again, remember, this command is a command of over 2,500 people. Only 20 in total have requested religious accommodation. That is less than 1%. Now, perhaps the most important part of here is this larger question. This larger question of when and if the Navy can grant religious or religious exemption requests, and should they? So here's the Navy policy. Let's look at the actual policy of the United States Navy, Navy which says if the Navy can grant a service member's request, and accomplish their mission at the same time, they're supposed to do so. You can see this is training material provided by the Navy that states, um, that states this. So for example, at this same command, Iwitzi Quarry Station, a religious accommodation was approved for a sailor who was a Sikh wearing a turban. Now a turban obviously violates uniform code. In fact, this sailor was known about the command to allow his hair and beard, additional uniform violations to be messy and unkempt, and yet his religious accommodation was approved. Now you might be saying, well, a turban or messy hair isn't contagious the way that COVID-19 is, but we know at this point that the vaccine does not prevent the transmission of COVID-19. So that argument, if it is an argument from opposition, is completely moot. Now, again, the United States Navy, the leverage that they have to grant religious accommodations is very wide. The Navy policy says that you can actually be the only person on earth who believes something. You don't have to be part of an organized religion. AKA, it doesn't matter what faith leaders say. You can be a practicing Catholic and the Pope can say that something's okay. And you personally can have a conviction that says, no, it's not okay. And the Navy is required to accept your conviction. It does not have to be endorsed by a religious superior or a faith leader. In fact, even atheists in the United States Navy can utilize a religious accommodation request for exemption. But here's the thing. These blanket denials in process aren't just Xerox copies that violate policies. Let's take a look at why this naval command plans to deny the exemptions. Look at this. Look at the reason. This would undermine fairness to those who complied. That's their quote. So it's not about accomplishing the mission. It's not about achieving the mission, which is supposed to be the only reason that would be a compelling interest strong enough for the Navy to deny a religious accommodation request but they admit that it has nothing. They admit in two places, not only in the email from the previous CO, but in this, they admit it's not about the mission. It's unfair, they say. It's unfair. Well, what about people who have to shave every day? Is allowing a Sikh to not shave unfair to people who have to shave? I mean, this is a ridiculous argument. In fact, it's an argument against religious exemptions altogether which isn't much of a surprise, perhaps, given how openly hostile military leaders, Navy leaders, have proven themselves to be to people of faith. And this is the thing. This is the thing. I'm a huge supporter of the United States military. I come from a military family. I'm part of a military family. But when people in positions of power and influence abuse their power and their influence, when they are hostile to people of faith, when they arguably violate people's right to practice their religion as they see fit when the mission of the United States military is not compromised, then it's our responsibility to speak out. These documents that I have shown you today are part of an official request from a United States military service member for a congressional inquiry. Congress, you have the duty of oversight. Use it. And you and I, when we see this, it's our responsibility to ask Congress 
to exercise, to demand that Congress exercise their duty of oversight. So a, a couple of things that are worth noting too. The, the response that I expect to this story or the defense that I expect um, is for, if not the United States Navy, then for people who um, don't, people who support the vaccine mandates and support the denial of religious exemption requests to say, well, the military operates off of templates. It's not exactly a sandal when a template is created. And that's true. But the United States Navy has not yet approved any requests for religious exemption to the COVID-19 vaccine. So the idea that this template would just have been handed down with the expectation that every command would then edit it on a case-by-case basis in response to these religious exemption requests, that hasn't happened. We haven't seen that. All we've seen is proof that our evidence that behind the scenes, they are intending to issue blanket denials without evaluating these on a case-by-case basis. This template is not set to be filled in as yes to the exemption or no. The template, the default of the template is set to no. And there's no space for addressing the reasons, the case-by-case reasons. So any any argument that says the Navy operates off of templates, I think is a relatively weak one when you look at how the evidence stacks up here. Now, the other argument here is this larger idea that when you join the United States military, you do give up some of your freedom. When you take that oath to serve, you give up some of your freedom. Military service members um, are required to take many vaccines and very few have a problem with that on a religious basis. I mean, the, the idea of signing on that line is that you will give your life for your country. And the argument is that giving your life or serving and sacrificing doesn't always mean laying down your life. Sometimes it means sacrificing some of your freedom to accomplish this mission. And I understand that. I understand that. As I said, I come from a military family. I'm part of a military family. I certainly understand that. But the idea that you give up freedom when you take the oath, I think the word oath there is very important for us to discuss tonight because when you serve in the military and you take that oath, what is your oath to? The highest loyalty that you have, the oath is to the United States Constitution. The United States Constitution codifies your First Amendment rights, your First Amendment right to practice your religion as as you see fit. Now, if your religious practice in some way compromises the mission of the United States military while you are a military service member, the Supreme Court precedent says, okay, then your religious freedom can be restricted in the least restrictive means possible. And in this case, this is very, very important because this is what these documents that I showed you failed to do. The burden to show that your religious accommodation compromises the mission of the United States military, that burden falls on the government to show that, to demonstrate that, to prove that. If they find your religious belief to be sincere, the burden then falls on the government to show that. That's why it's so important, this template, this blanket denial template that does not evaluate these requests on a case-by-case basis, that doesn't address people's sincerely held religious beliefs, but instead shows this toxic hostility to people of faith. This shows that this military brass has no intention of respecting their oath to the United States Constitution, of respecting the fact that individuals in the United States military still have a constitutional right to practice their religion unless it compromises the mission of the military. The government must show a compelling interest. They must allow you to practice your religion in the least restrictive means possible. And what these documents show is the United States Navy 
these officers in the United States Navy that have control over so many service members and what's, what's going into these service members' bodies, they're showing an ambivalence towards their burden, a lack of respect towards their burden to show this compelling interest. This lack of respect towards their burden to show a compelling interest shows a lack of respect for religious freedom in general. It shows a lack of respect for the United States Constitution, which they swore to uphold. That's part of their oath. As I said, these documents are part of a U.S. military service member's request for a congressional inquiry. And we likewise call on Congress to conduct an investigation into this. Because if, if we allow government officials, and that's what military service members in positions of power are, if we allow them to violate religion and to violate policy to push their own political and religious convictions on people that are below them in the chain of command, then what have we done? What are we? We simply cannot tolerate this in the United States of America. It was my honor to be able to break this story and to stand up for service members in the United States military who are not only, who have not only sworn to serve and lay down their lives, who now are, um, are victimized feeling victimized in their practice of religion. And you know I am always honored to be the voice for the voiceless. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzel. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.